Hello and welcome to this very special Christmas edition of Travelosophy. I'm your host, Jade Jackson, and in this episode I'll be talking about some unique places to travel to for Christmas. Whilst Christmas is all about traditions, there's nothing to say you can't add a new tradition to your family's repertoire. As life events change our circumstances, it's important that our traditions reflect that. There's no better way to create a new family tradition than spending a Christmas someplace else or having a destination Christmas. My family's first destination Christmas was in 1998 and I was heading off around the world on my second gap year, if you could still call it that. And I was planning on travelling around Europe before living in London for a bit and then coming home via North America. I wanted to spend my 21st birthday in Europe and Paris seemed so cliche. So I picked the most random place I could find on the map, which was Helsinki. It turned out that Helsinki has a national holiday on the 6th of December, so everything was closed. So it wasn't even overly exciting as a 21st destination. We struggled to even find somewhere that was open for dinner. We eventually settled on a restaurant in a hotel because it was the only thing open besides McDonald's. However, I did eat reindeer, which was something akin to the texture of smoked salmon, which is certainly memorable, especially as my brother, who was only four at the time, kept going, Help me! I'm Rudolph! Don't eat me! I have to help Santa deliver presents! Plus, outside there was thick snow everywhere, so that was incredibly beautiful. Anyway, point is about Christmas, not my birthday. So, because I decided to spend my birthday in in Finland, then we were looking at spending Christmas there as well. Being from Australia, we'd never had a white Christmas, and my mum was particularly enchanted by the idea. So we decided we'd have our first white Christmas in Rovaniemi in northern Finland, which is also the home of Santa Claus. There's an actual Santa's village, and everyone who works there is dressed as elves. There's real reindeer because it's Santa's village. And reindeer are native to Finland, I think. I have to double-check that. Anyway, there's shelves with books of names going from A to F and G to J and so on, which is the names of all the good people who'll be getting presents this year. Don't worry, he'll always check the list twice to make sure. However, most importantly, there's the big guy. (laughs) And even as an adult, there is something truly magical about being above the Arctic Circle, seeing reindeer, elves, and then walking into a room to see Santa. And unlike mall Santa, this guy looks the real deal. You can get a photo, which unfortunately we lost ours in the house fire, which I talk about in my other podcast, Talk Stuff. So if you happen to go, make sure you get the digital copy as well. Next door to Santa's Village is an indoor theme park. It's aimed at small kids, but it has a little roller coaster and other little kiddies rides and some shops. Plus, because it's underground, it's open year-round. That year, in Rovaniemi, we stayed in a hotel on top of a mountain, which had a ski field adjacent. So you could literally walk outside to thigh-deep snow, all powder of course, ski down the mountain, and then catch the lift back up to the hotel. Our hotel room also had a sauna, which was really nice to finish off a day of skiing. Finnish Christmas meal was a little different to what you might have back home and included salmon, but it was still an incredible experience to have our first white Christmas, essentially, well, to a four-year-old at least, in the North Pole. 
The other thing I couldn't get over was that time of year, the sun barely rises above the horizon. So it goes from dawn at about 11am to dusk at about 1pm. So there's this beautiful blue hue that's reflected off the snow. These days it's a bit more touristy and there's accommodation options like sleeping in an igloo or nearby in Kiruna in Sweden. You can sleep in the ice hotel, which is rebuilt every year always to a new design. They basically compact the snow into ice bricks and then create a building out of it. Even the bed is made of solid ice. They put animal fur over it and you have a sleeping bag. Inside it's not that cold compared to outside. It gets down to like minus 20, minus 30 degrees Celsius. It's quite expensive to stay at the ice hotel. So we just did a tour, which included a drink in the bar. And the cup is made out of ice, as are the tables, chairs, and even the chandelier. The one thing I noticed, though, was how quiet it was. Because sound doesn't travel very well through solid ice. I think Canada has their own version of all this, too. Apart from the obvious of having a white Christmas... Having a destination Christmas or having something different about your Christmas makes it far more memorable. If you have the same people in the same place doing the same things each year, even though the presents are different, over time they will all blend and it will be difficult to remember specific Christmases. However, by doing something different, especially by going someplace else, it'll stand out because it was unique. I still remember presents I got on our destination Christmases because... Being someplace else makes the memories stand out. In Rovaniemi, some of the presents I got included a book, The Letters of Vincent van Gogh, and a PJ Harvey CD, Is This Desire, which always reminds me of being in Scandinavia as I listen to it non-stop on my discman because we spent a lot of time travelling on trains. Although my family did a second Christmas in Rovaniemi with my sister, I was left behind that year in Australia, they rented a cabin by a lake, except there was hardly any snow because of global warming and they had a hot winter that year in Finland. So just be aware, there's not always snow at Christmas time in the Northern Hemisphere. The next destination Christmas I had was on a cruise ship. It was a little bit different because I was working on the cruise ship and it was my first Christmas I had away from family, which was difficult. However, working on a cruise, you spend 24-7 with the same people. You work with them, you eat meals with them, you hang out after work, you share cabins with them. There is no escape. It's like being on Big Brother. And as a result, you also build up really close friendships. So whilst it was hard being away from family, it was still an incredible atmosphere being on the cruise ship. In the main dining room, as well as along the corridors, there were decorations and trees everywhere. We had a big roast dinner and pudding for dessert. Then everyone, passengers and crew, went out on the deck with glow stick candles and we sung carols on the deck under the stars. I've been to carols before, but I still remember everyone standing arm in arm singing John Lennon's Give Peace a Chance. And it still gives me goosebumps. We're talking over 2,000 people on the deck all singing the same song. It was magical. Amongst the staff, we had Secret Santa, so we still had presents. And then we were back home in Sydney on Boxing Day, I think. So I caught up with family and we had a Christmas picnic in Hyde Park before I set off again that night. So I could imagine if you took your whole family on a cruise ship for Christmas, it would be a much greater experience, plus more relaxing knowing there was no cooking required or cleaning. The only thing is your shopping is limited on a cruise ship. So it's likely that everyone's going to get duty-free perfume or cruise ship merchandise like T-shirts and jewellery. 
but if you have a few poor days beforehand, then you can always pick up interesting bits and pieces. The next destination Christmas I had was in Japan. My mum and sister came to visit a few days after Christmas, so we just had a little delayed Christmas. The thing about Christmas in Japan is most homes don't have ovens, so you have to get creative in your cooking. It's rare to have a big roast, unless you go to an Irish or an English pub, and there's enough of them around, so you can find one if you do your research. At home, when I was living in Japan, I did have a small toaster oven, and in that I managed to make a small roast ham, some mash and veggies, plus I think mum brought over a sachet of gravy, which was not something that was easily found in Japan. We didn't have a white Christmas, but it did snow a little bit on Boxing Day. Whilst Christmas in Japan is not a religious thing, it's more for couples, there are still plenty of lights and decorations. So allow a couple of days to see one of the many illuminations festivals that are in many cities at night. If you want a proper Japanese Christmas experience, then you'll eat KFC on Christmas Day. I know it doesn't sound like a normal Christmas, but because they don't have ovens, it's rare to do roast chicken or turkey. So KFC took the opportunity and marketed it. And now it's become a thing, KFC for Christmas. It may not be what you're used to, but it will be memorable. If you're further north, then you're more likely to have a white Christmas. And if you're in Tokyo, Disneyland always has big celebrations, shows and decorations for Christmas. So that could be a fun addition as well. When I was living in New Zealand, one year, my family all came over for Christmas. It was a little squishy, I only had a one-room apartment, and they used up my monthly Wi-Fi allowance in a day. But Christmas in New Zealand was unseasonably hot that year. And there aren't many Christmas lights or decorations around compared to other places. But of course, I did still have a real tree. And there was something unique about all sleeping on blow-up mattresses in the lounge room with the tree and the lights, falling asleep, watching Christmas movies. We did have a roast, although my oven was a bit old and rickety. My mum ended up smoking my whole apartment out, trying to make everything go crispy. It was so smoky, we had to evacuate and open up all the doors and windows. And I thought my fish were going to die. Eventually, the smoke had dissipated enough, we could go back inside. But my apartment still stunk like smoke for weeks afterwards. Again, it's about being memorable. We spent Christmas Day at the beach, which in Wellington, even though the day was hot, the water was still freezing, but it was a relaxing day. On Boxing Day, we headed off to visit friends that lived on a farm on the way to Napier. So it was doubly exciting doing a family road trip straight after Christmas. We went first to Cape Palliser, which is one of my favourite places in New Zealand. Then we went to Napier, Rotorua and Auckland. However, the greatest destination Christmas I remember was the year we spent Christmas in New York. I was still living in New Zealand, and so I arranged to meet my family in New York. We rented an apartment on 49th Street, a few blocks from Times Square, and just around the corner from the original Soup Man out of Seinfeld. We were in New York for two weeks, and some days we went out doing stuff together. Other days I went out with a friend of mine, Jennifer, who joined us from Chicago. And every day I had a gingerbread latte, and it was cold outside, and it felt like Christmas should. There were decorations in shops, lights in the streets, carols in every department store, Santa's ringing bells saying, Ho, 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 Merry Christmas! And my brother and I bought a real fur Christmas tree from a corner store and carried it up three flights of stairs. And if that's not a New Yorker Christmas, I don't know what is. Because we had an apartment, it was more homely than a hotel. So we put decorations and lights up. 
On Christmas Eve, we had a roast dinner. There was Christmas movies on TV, like the black and white classic, It's a Wonderful Life, which is about as cliched as you can get because we'd seen it in every American movie. But it's rarely shown on TV in Australia, so I was really excited by that. We wandered outdoor markets like the Union Square Holiday Market, which had loads of handmade decorations and marvelled at the Rockefeller Place Christmas tree. It seemed everywhere you turned was a reminder of Christmas. And of course, let's not forget ice skating in Central Park. However, the piece de resistance was on Christmas Day. Before we opened our presents, Jen and I went to an early morning Christmas service at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Which was packed, standing room only. There was a huge choir, and with so many people singing, the church acoustics were spine-tingling. Afterwards, we went back and opened presents. We had leftovers for lunch, and then went to the Rockettes Christmas Spectacular Show at Radio City Music Hall, which was, as the name suggests, spectacular. On Christmas night, it started to snow, and on Boxing Day, we woke up to a two-metre dump of snow, so we were lucky enough to have a so-called white Christmas in New York although it doesn't happen every year. We did miss out on a Santa photo at Macy's because we left it until Christmas Eve and surprise, surprise, the queue was like five hours long. But you can pre-book online. We tried to do last-minute shopping in Macy's on Christmas Eve and that was ridiculous. We lost each other. There were so many people. You had to queue for 45 minutes just to get on the escalator. In the end, it was like, right, the watch counter has the shortest queue. Everyone's getting a watch for Christmas. Although Jen and I went down to 21st Century Department Store, which is down near the World Trade Center Memorial Museum, and this was less crowded. They also had lots of discounts on brand name products, and I remember I bought mum a big bottle of Clinique moisturizer for like 25 US, which is a bargain because normally it's more like 80 or 90 Australian. There's an outlet mall an hour or so from Manhattan, which you need to catch a bus to, but you can find shops like Nike and Ralph Lauren, which would be a good place to do last minute Christmas shopping. Otherwise, Times Square is full of souvenir shops. So an easy option is, everyone gets New York souvenirs for Christmas. Whilst I've not spent Christmas in the following places, I've read about them and they're supposed to be magical. Quebec in Canada, Harbin in China, and the Philippines is also supposed to be spectacular for Christmas. In the Philippines, they have a month of festivities and they go overboard with decorations and lights. Also, a friend of mine has in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia at the moment. He just sent me a video of this beautiful Christmas chain, a shopping centre, which has individual Mickey Mouse statues painted as decorations. And it's absolutely incredible. So the benefits of spending a Christmas elsewhere are you're more likely to remember it in years to come because it was different, especially if you managed to experience a white Christmas. Only having immediate family means it's much simpler, there's less running around, and because you don't have other places to go, it's far more relaxing. Of course, you do have to be mindful of presence, because no one wants to get stuck with excess luggage fees, or say, lugger barbecue around Europe. However, being mindful of presence isn't such a bad thing. Instead of buying stuff, it's much easier to give experience gifts, like tickets to a Broadway show if you're in New York, a jet boat ride if you're in New Zealand, or a snorkeling tour if you're on a cruise. All of these help to create a memorable Christmas. With kids, as long as they know that Santa will find them wherever they are, because he's clever like that, 
or because you'd tell Santa in a letter, kids will be on board. The big thing with a destination Christmas for kids is making sure they realise that part of their present is the trip itself, so they understand the value of travel. This way you can ensure the expectation is that, realistically, presents will be smaller because you need to have something that is easy to carry. Also, don't get them into the mindset that there will be more presents when you get back home, unless it's from other relatives, because otherwise it can take them away from enjoying the simpler Christmas moment. Now, I know most people are probably thinking, oh, we can't afford to go overseas. But with a little planning, anyone can have a destination Christmas. If you book flights at least nine months in advance, you'll get early bird airfares. Booking an apartment is way cheaper than a hotel, usually. Ours was like 3000 US for two weeks accommodation for six people right in the centre of Manhattan. But there's also plenty of options for apartments in New York. And it's even cheaper if you stay out of Manhattan in, say, Brooklyn or Queens. If you leave in the first week of December, airfares are much cheaper than closer to Christmas. Obviously, with a cruise, it's all-inclusive, so that might be a more affordable option. Especially when you take into consideration a big Christmas dinner is already sorted. Even if you plan a cheaper domestic destination Christmas to get the family into the mindset that being someplace else can be just as, if not more exciting than Christmas at home. You may need to plan a year or more in advance. So if that means making cutbacks to make it happen, make sure there's constant reminders of why cutbacks have to happen and why saving is important. And make sure there's lots of brochures around and keep reminding of the big goal of having a super magical Christmas overseas. If you're looking at introducing some simpler alternative Christmas traditions to your family, I've written an article, which I'll include in the show notes, about 12 alternative Christmas traditions, some which cost nothing at all, and some of these would be good to implement on a destination Christmas. Feel free to share the link or tap the clap button at the end, and of course, if you have your own unique family traditions you'd like to share, I'd love to hear them, so please get in touch. Also included in the show notes is a link to an article I wrote about Christmas in New York, which has more detail on photos, so you too can plan a magical Christmas in New York. If you love Christmas carols, I've actually written a carol about Christmas in New York. I know, I don't claim to be the world's greatest singer, far from it. But it just came to me recently whilst I was driving. It's in a cappella style, but it's very catchy. I've offered an mp3 download on Patreon. Head to patreon.com forward slash Jade Jackson. And for a couple of dollars, you can download my carol, Christmas in New York. Thank you so much for listening to this special Christmas edition of Travelosophy with Jade Jackson. If you'd like to say hi, you can tweet me at Jadikins Jackson. You can find me on Facebook at Travelosophy Podcast or Jade Jackson Photography. You should also check out my website for more inspirational and useful travel blog, articles, gorgeous photos. And if you need a unique Christmas gift, head to my shop on my website where you can buy gorgeous prints of my travel photos along with beautiful cards. Head to jadejackson.com.au forward slash shop. And up until Christmas Eve, enter the promo code NYCXMAS, New York Christmas, and you can get 25% off all prints, including digital downloads. Thank you so much for listening to Travelosophy with Jay Jackson. Have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays! Ho, 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 